Amen. Happy Mother's Day. So everybody that's a female is either a mother, been a mother, going to be a mother, could be a mother. You could be a spiritual mother. We're celebrating y'all today, so it doesn't matter. I want to read you a passage of scripture. This is Psalms uh, 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. And though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise up against me, in this I will be confident. Hallelujah. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life Hallelujah. to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Thank you, Jesus. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Hallelujah. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. And when my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Hallelujah. I know not everybody had a perfect mother experience. Not every mom is perfect because nobody's perfect. But regardless of all that, God will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Hallelujah. And when you, your mom and dad fail you and disappoint you, when things don't work out the way that you hoped that it would in the natural, God says, I am there Amen. to take care of you. And I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to leave you. He will hold you up and it's all going to be okay. Amen. You walk with the Lord. It's a guarantee that he's going to take care of you. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. So Lord, this morning, we're going to celebrate mothers. We're going to celebrate everything that mothers mean to us. We're going to celebrate all that, that you do in our mothers and through our mothers yes. for us. And, and Lord, I thank you for my mother. I thank you because thank you, my mother prayed over me when I was little and she, she began to speak things over my life that had a huge impact over me. Lord, I thank you that mothers love and mothers care. And they don't get discouraged so easily. They just keep doing the things that they do, even though it's hard sometimes. So, Lord, I pray a special blessing over our mothers today. Yes, and, Lord, I pray that as we worship you, that you would show us that regardless of any kind of hurts or wounds or problems that we have in our life, whether it's because of a mother or a father or a friend or, or a, a sickness or a difficulty we experience, Lord, you are there. You never leave us or forsake us. We worship you this morning. All the days of our life, we yes. want to be in you, Lord. Thank we you, want to walk in you. Yes. Live in you and know and experience you in every part of our lives. So, yes. Lord, today, pour your spirit out. Refresh us in your presence as we worship you this Mother's Day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's amen. worship.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you that your promise is sure. And I thank you that you don't waver at all in your promise to us, Lord. You invite us all to come, come to you wherever we are. If we know you and we're walking with you and we just want to come for a refreshing, you invite us to come. If we're way far away from you, we don't even know you, don't even know how to talk to you, you invite us to come. I thank you, Lord, that you are inviting all of us to come. Your invitation is, it is complete, Lord. It's for everyone. Come, all who labor and are heavy laden, and you will give us rest for our soul. Lord, I thank you that you are inviting us all to come. And this morning, we choose to come. We choose to come to you, Lord. Maybe it's not at the front of the building and the altar, but maybe it's right there where we are. We'll make an altar right there because an altar is just a place that we give ourselves to you. And we say, here I am. So, Lord, we make an altar to you this morning. We come and we say, here we are. Would you take us? Change us, Lord God. Heal our brokenness and make us whole. Forgive us and cleanse us and wash us and encourage us and strengthen us, Lord. Get us ready so we can go back out into, into the daily grind of this world, Lord. We have to, we have to deal with things every day that, that pull and drag and distract and discourage and offend. And yet, Lord, you have given us your spirit. Your spirit, Lord, to give us strength so that we can be more than overcomers and more than conquerors, Lord. You lead us in triumph. And Lord, I thank you today that you're wanting to refresh us so that we'll be energized to go back out into the darkness in this world and be the light that we need to be. Lord God, we need you this morning. We need you, Lord. And all of your goodness and glory. We sang about it multiple times. Lord, we need you. Your mercy and your grace to just be poured out on us so that we, we are changed in your presence, Lord. You're here. You're here to do that work. And I thank you, Lord, that you are calling each one of us. You're saying each one of our names and you're calling us and saying, come. Won't you come and just lay your burdens down. Let me, let me heal you. Let me change you. Let me restore you. Let me refresh you. Let me do whatever needs to be done in your life. I am here and I am willing and I am able. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that you are able. You are able to do everything that needs to be done in our lives. The doctors may not be able to fix us. The therapists may not be able to fix us. But you can fix us, Lord. Yes, sir. Because you can heal us. You paid the price on that cross. You took those stripes on your back for our healing. And it's provided, Lord. You can heal. You can restore. You can give us hope where there seems to be nothing but despair and discouragement. You can give us joy when we're experiencing sorrow and pain and loss. Lord, I know we have people in our body that experience pain and suffering and loss. I just pray now that you'd fill them with joy. Fill them with hope. Fill them with peace, Lord, so they would see that you, you, Lord God, are the Redeemer, and you are our salvation, and everything we need is in you, Lord. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just ask that you speak to each person here, Lord. Speak. Let us hear your voice. Let us hear you call our name and our needs, Lord, that you would address each one of them, that we would not go out of here like we came in, but we'd be changed. 
would go away restored, refreshed, energized to be your people in a lost and dying world. Lord God, this nation is so broken and divided. We need you, Lord. We need you to, to heal and unite. We need you to reveal truth and expose darkness and lies and deception. Let your people begin to see the difference between the truth and deception. I don't want to be guilty of buying into something just because it, it makes it easier to get along. I want to stay true to your word, Lord. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end is death and destruction. I don't want to be guilty of following that way. I want to follow you. Lord, you said you would lead us in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. You are the good shepherd that restores our soul. You, Lord God, are the one that leads us. And your word is true and faithful. It is the light for our path. And it's the lamp so that we can see where we're going. We don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to walk in confusion or despair. We don't have to wonder where we're going. We can see because you are the light. And you are in us and you're walking right beside us. You're holding our hand just like you did your people when you delivered them from Egypt. You said, I took you out. I led you out by the hand. Lord God, I thank you for that. You don't ever leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Jesus. Refresh us in your presence, Lord. I pray a special blessing on every mother here, every woman here, every young woman, those who are listening, those who are here, those who, who might listen to this as a podcast five years from now. Lord, I pray a special blessing on them that you would change their lives forever by what they experience today in your presence, Lord. I proclaim that over them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. God bless you. Thank you, worship team. Well, it is Mother's Day, and uh, I don't have any cute little videos or anything. I could sing a song for you. What's that? <laughs> I said I could sing a Mother's Day song for you. You got a Mother's Day song? Yeah. It's not rehearsed, but I could do it. <laughs> hey, go for it. How about that? You want to hear a Mother's Day song? Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's do it. It's called Call Me Blessed or Blessed, if you want to say it the old way. Um, motherhood is hard no matter how you approach it. Whether it's spiritually mothering a young woman, if you're an older woman, having little children, having teenage children, having grown children, <laughs> it's always hard. But it's a high calling to be a mother. And for those mothers who never got to hold their babies, it's still a high calling. And my heart goes out to those today, too, because I have one of those, too. I have an eternal child in heaven. But um, this one kind of traverses the whole thing of when your children are young and you yell at them and you feel like you failed, and then you question, how did your mom feel? Did she feel like this? <laughs> and God, I know you'll call me blessed someday, so... This is one that a friend of mine and I wrote years and years ago, many years ago. When I yelled at you this morning, I could see it in your face, the pain that I had brought into your heart. And then I asked myself, 
How did we get to this place? We seemed so happy at this morning's start. Sometimes I do it right, more often it's wrong. I want so much to love you with my best. But I've noticed as the days and the mothering grow long, what I could really use now is a rest. <laughs> Carol, you know, um, you don't know what your, what your life is doing all the time. I mean, we, we affect people all around us. And sometimes, you know, we think my life is kind of messed up and I'm not really doing anything of any significance. But I'm pretty sure all of us, there's going to come a time when we're standing before the Lord and when we start seeing people in heaven, it's like, huh, I remember talking to you when you were just a, a little guy. Maybe I taught someone in Sunday school or maybe I saw someone on the street. All of us affect people and nobody affects you like your mama. Mamas are special people and um, wouldn't be here without my mama. <laughs> we're going to take a break from Colossians today and I'm going to talk to you about something about mothers and you know there's some there's some great women in the Bible and uh, you could probably preach a Mother's Day sermon on a lot of them but uh, I want to I'm going to use uh, Moses and his mother's story to to share a few things her name was Jochebed and uh, 
There's really not very much in the Bible about Jochebed. Her name was mentioned twice, and it's not even mentioned uh, really in the story, I don't think. But, uh, but her name is mentioned a couple of times, and this whole story with her and the uh, birth of Moses is it's recorded in uh, Exodus 2, and it's, it's a pretty short passage of Scripture. And I just want to make a few, uh, a few points about what a mother ought to be. But I, I want to remind you that since these are biblical, godly character qualities, it really ought to apply to everybody. So men, you know, you ought to have those same kind of attributes. Children, young people, old people, whatever. We ought to all have godly characteristics. And so... <clears throat> I'm going to read this passage to you, and then you've got your notes. There's, there may be a few uh, scripture references you need to write down because I didn't put them all in the notes. Uh, beginning in verse 1, or, yeah, verse 1. And a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months, but when she was... She could no longer hide him. She took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, laid it in the reeds by the river's bank, and his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked alongside the riverside, and when they saw the ark among the reeds, she went, or she sent her maid to get it. And she, when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew woman that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take the child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. The child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, Because I drew him out of the water. <clears throat> so I'm going to make some quick points. Hopefully I, I uh, make it through them all. I don't think it'll be that difficult. But a mother's love should be unconditional. It should be unselfish, and it should be undaunted. You know, and there's... Uh, I learned that in college, you know. You use those simulations or whatever. Not, anyway, similes or whatever. You use the same words and letters and it's supposed to help you remember. So, unconditional, unselfish, and undaunted. That's what your love ought to be. That's what a mother's love ought to be. That's what all of our love ought to be, really. But in this story, there's a few verses that kind of, kind of show this. Unconditional love. When she saw that he was a beautiful child... And by the way, if she had seen that he was an ugly child, she would have loved him anyway. It wouldn't have mattered. Because her love is unconditional, right? That's the way God is. He looks at us and he sees us and he, you know, he doesn't say, oh, you know, you're pretty so I love you. Or, oh, you're not so pretty so I don't love you. Or you've got problems or you're oh so almost perfect. Or, you know, it's, that's not the way it is. God loves us because he loves us. And his love doesn't change. And... Uh, Deuteronomy uh, 7, 7, the Lord says, I did not set my love on you or choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. But the Lord loves you 
And because he loves you, he would keep his oath with you, what he swore to your fathers. The Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he's saying, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or what you haven't done. I love you because I'm God and I love you. I set my love on you. And that's what Jochebed did. She saw, and by the way, that word she saw, it means like she perceived it. She understood it. It was like she had a vision. She had a vision about Moses that he would not, and you know, the Bible doesn't say this specifically, but I believe that she, she saw something in him that was not just any old kid. She saw him and she said, this, this is someone that's special. God has a plan and a purpose for him. She saw him. She recognized that there was something special about him. And that word beautiful, it means that he was good, he, had, he was excellent, he had value. She saw that in him. And because she saw that in him, she said, I, I'm going to do something different than, uh, than what I'm being told to do. So at this time in the, in the nation of Israel, they were slaves in Egypt. And the king, uh, the Pharaoh, was, uh, he was concerned because the, the Israelites were growing in number. And they were, they were growing in number. They were being prosperous and successful. And he said, we've got to do something. They're going to take us over. So he told, he told uh, the midwives, you know, every male child, throw it in the river. Every female child will keep. Every male child, we're going to throw them in the river and kill them. And that didn't work. Midwives, you know, kind of, kind of did their thing for God and, uh, and it didn't happen that way. And then... They said, okay, fine, just, you know, soldiers, you go out and search them out. And uh, any child, male child you find, kill them. So that's, that's where we are in context here. And so when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him for three months. Her love for him was such that she said, I've got to do something. I can't just, you know, let this happen. So I've got to do something. So she hid him for three months. And I'd say she was unselfish. Not only did she have an unconditional love, but she was unselfish because when she was hiding him for the three months, she was loving on him and enjoying him, and she was thinking, man, I, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And, you know, if you were a selfish person, you'd be thinking, I'm just going to hold this child as long as I can to the very last moment when they come and rip him out of my arms. But she had a love that was unconditional and unselfish, and she saw a little bit beyond what the physical and natural was, and she said, I'm going to put my faith in God. I'm going to step out there and do something out of the box. It's going to be different. I'm going to be unselfish about it. I'm going to take a chance, and I'm going to extend myself and see if God will do something miraculous. So that's what she did. It says, when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, and she daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, laid it in the reeds by the river. And this would be the same river, by the way, that was filled with crocodiles and hippopotamuses and all kinds of things that could eat a little baby in a basket. I mean, that was a bold move. But she had to do something because if she didn't do anything, she knew the outcome. But she trusted God and she said, I'm going to do something. I'm going to take a step. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to do something. And then her unselfish love is just like the Lord's unselfish love. John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's God's love. It's unselfish. Jesus came, he gave himself, and he even said at one point, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. I mean, he was unselfish. And I think Jochebed was unselfish too. She saw beyond the circumstances that she could control, and she said, well, rather than just being selfish, I'm going to take my chances. I'm going to put my faith in the Lord, and I'm going to be unselfish, and I'm going to give my baby a chance. Now, there's a lot of unselfish moms in this room. And you, you know, you people here, you were all raised by unselfish moms. They might not have been perfect, but they make sacrifices. Moms always make sacrifices. You know, they used to tell a joke about a, a guy, he took, he took his mom out to, to dinner and had this big bunch of chicken, you know, and he said, now, Mom, you know, you just get the very best piece of chicken, the one that you really like the best, and she grabbed the breast, and he said, wow. He said, I thought you liked wings. That's what you always ate when we were growing up. She said, that's because I wanted y'all to have the best. That's the way a mother's love is. It's unselfish. They think of others. They don't think of themselves all the time. At two in the morning when you're really sleepy and tired and that baby's crying, you kick your husband and say, go get him. No, I'm, uh, you know, moms, moms take care of that. And they do need some help. Men, you know that. Women need help. But women are unselfish in that regard. They have that mother's instinct that kicks in. And I mean, don't cross a mama. You know, don't cross a mama. Mother's love should be unconditional and unselfish. It shouldn't give up. It shouldn't, it shouldn't fall, uh, fall away because something happens that discourages them. So she took action. I mean, she saw that the circumstances were not all that great. They were kind of dire, actually. I guess the three-year-old could cry loud enough that she figured someone's going to hear him now, and it's just a matter of time before they find him out. And so she took action. She didn't just give up. She took action. She got the little basket, daubed it with uh, asphalt and pits, made it as waterproof as she could, put it in the, put it in the reeds in the river. And uh, Isaiah 50, verse 7, this is actually a uh, prophetic word for talking about the Messiah. It says, For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I will not be ashamed. Jesus, he set his face like a flint. He knew he was fixing to suffer and die. He came down from glory, stripped himself of all of that, and he suffered as a human. And he knew when he was walking, walking into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he knew he was going to his death. And he did it because he, he had set his face like a flint. I mean, he was not distracted. He was not deterred. He knew his mission. He said, this is the reason I've come. And that's the way moms are. They love like that. They say, I know this is hard. I don't get a lot of thanks. Maybe you don't get any thanks. Maybe all you get is grief. Uh, especially during certain years when you're childbearing. And I know we've got some wonderful young people here. But even those wonderful ones, sometimes they get a little cantankerous. And I know my mother probably wanted to kill me sometimes when I was a teenager, you know, because I frustrated her. I, I didn't obey and I did things that I shouldn't have done. And uh, 
I still do that sometimes. I, I do things that disappoint and irritate. But the point is, uh, the love of a mother kind of tends to overlook all that. But I also believe, you know, there's a point where a mom reaches in the child rearing when the kids are getting to be 16, 17, 18. They're going through this struggle to try to become independent and yet they're still dependent. The moms are, and dads are frustrated because, you know, they're at home and they're not wanting to obey and do everything like they should and there's this struggle going on. And, and that bond, you know, from when you were a little baby and nursing and doing all that, that bond starts kind of breaking a little bit. And I think that's... Hey, believe me, there'll come a time where you'll be saying, fly, little birdie, fly. <laughs> But I think we all need that because it would just break your heart for your children to leave home if you weren't ready to release them. But when you've been through all those teenage years, it's like, yeah, you can go. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on the way out, you know. Right sometime, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> no, it, it's a hard time. It's a hard time. It really is. But because you've been through some difficult times as, as raising the teenagers, though, you're kind of willing to accept that hard time. And it's, it's just all part of the natural flow of life. That's the way God creates us as people. That's something we just need to learn to accept. So a mother's face should be loving like God's love. A, a mother's faith uh, should be founded in God's word. It should be fixed on Jesus. And it should be fruitful. And I think Jochebed kind of showed us that too. Because she... She had faith. I mean, she wasn't just doing all that stuff just out of some cockamamie scheme she dreamed up. I mean, I think she, she had faith and she was hearing from God. I think she, she understood that Moses was not just a typical child. She knew she needed to do something and God honored that. Now, her faith, it was founded in God's word. And Genesis 12, 2 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And he says it again in Genesis 22, 17. Blessed. In blessing I will bless you. Multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. This is God calling the the fathers, the patriarchs, and he's telling them, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a special people. Do you not think that Jochebed knew that? I mean, that had been repeated over and over and over again for hundreds of years. God has called us. We're a special people in his eyes. He's going to bless us and prosper us. And when Moses was born, she looked at him and she said, this is a guy that's going to be significant in what God's doing in our, in our nation. And I'm not going to just let them come and kill him, throw him in the river. I'm going to do something. Because she had faith in God's word, she responded. Mothers, you need to have faith in God's word too. God says, if you train up a child in the way that he should go, when he's old, he won't depart from it. Even while he's old, he won't depart from it. Maybe they depart for a while, but they'll come back. You have to have faith. You've got to stand strong and don't allow the enemy and deception and lies to come in and discourage you. Believe that what God says he will do. We all need to be believing that. We all need to have faith. She believed what God said. She didn't believe 
What everybody else would say, oh, they're going to kill my baby, they're going to kill my baby. She said, God's going to do something, and I'm going to do my part. I'm going to, I'm going to take some action. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe, and I'm going to fix him a little boat and put him in the water, and we're going to see what God does. It's a pretty cool story if you think about it. And we need to do the same thing with our children. When we, when we send them into the world, we need to pray over them, and we need to trust that God will do what he said he would do. I've done my part. I've raised them. I've, I've struggled. I've prayed. I've been up in the wee hours of the morning when they're sick or when they're not home or whatever. And now it's time to just put them in the basket and put them out there and see what God does. You've got to do it. you you just got to do it. You can't follow them around for the rest of your life. You can't, you can't look over their shoulder, you know. I mean, I, you, you can check their cell phone and do stuff like that, look at their computer. But, I mean, there comes a time where you just got to say, God, I'm turning them over to you. I'm giving them to you. I put them in the, put them in the river and the weeds, and they're up to you. And you can watch. You can watch just like, just like Miriam. You know, she stood over there on the bank to see what would happen. You can watch, but you can't meddle. If they come to you and ask, you can, you can talk. But if you start trying to tell them when they're adults, you start trying to tell them what to do, you're not, you're, you're meddling now, and it won't be well received. You just have to trust God. And that's hard, especially when you see them doing really dumb things. You know, hey, I'm going to buy this $75,000 car. How are you going to pay for it? I don't know. I'm hoping to get a job next week. You know, I, you know, I mean, you look, at, you look at your kids and they're doing these things like, oh, Lord, you know, please. But you have, to, you have to trust that God is going to take care of them because you can't do it. Getting smarter all the time, Mom. You know, I used to think you were so dumb. I didn't, didn't want to listen to you at all. But now you're getting smarter. You've been reading or something? How are you getting so smart now? That's the way it works. As we mature, we begin to realize that our parents are really kind of with it. You know, they're pretty smart. They understand things. They know things. My mother, when I was going to get married, you know, I, I was 19, and she was way smarter than I was. I didn't think so, but she was saying, oh, son, you know, you, you sure, you know, you really need to be careful. Man, you, you know, how are you going to take care of a wife, and, you know, you're going to have children, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it'll be okay. And it was okay, but it weren't easy. But, but I realized, you know, when I began to live that, you know, well, I figured out real quickly, two can't live as cheaply as one. Uh, that's a lie, you know. Well, you can if only one of you eats, you know, but uh, it's kind of hard to get along very long that way. So, you know, I, I realized that she really knew a lot more about life than I was giving her credit for because she had lived it. And that's the whole deal about it, you know, as a parent... Your children have a tendency to think you don't know. You've never been through this. You know, yeah, I did. You know, I was a teenager. I went through that. Maybe we didn't have social media like you did, but, you know, we had, we had loudmouth people that would uh, spread gossip. You know, I mean, everybody's been through that kind of stuff. So if someone is a young mother or father and they're saying, man, you know, I'm just so tired and I'm so whatever, Give them that as an encouragement. Say, look, you better just kind of enjoy this and just know that it's going to be gone. I thought if I, if I played with my kids, if I spend time with them, I'd do all this stuff, you know, they'll just love me like that forever. 
And they, and they, we have a great relationship, but, you know, I'd come home from work and I'd be tired. Dad, let's go play cats. Like, oh, okay. You know, I'd go out there and play cats. And every time, you know, it's like, I'd come in and try to say, the boys are outside waiting for you. It's like, oh, man, I hadn't even got to come in and change my clothes or do anything, you know. And so I thought, it's going to be worth it, though. It's going to be worth it. Because when I come home when they're 15, they're going to say, come on, Dad, let's go play catch. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> One day, you know, I come home and, hey, boys, I'm home. It's like, you know, on the video game. You know, hey, I'm home. <laughs> hey, I'm home. You know, oh, hi, Dad. <laughs> it was a good plan. It didn't really work out exactly like I wanted, but I do have a great relationship with my boys, and they're still happy to see me. We still do things together. It was worth it. I made an investment. I made a choice. I decided with my mind, I'm going to do this because I think it's worth it. And that's what moms and dads need to do. They need to invest themselves in their children. And if you do that, God will take care of the results. Mothers should be hopeful. Oh, one last thing about being fruitful. Um, Jesus said, I, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I ordain you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. We are supposed to be fruitful, all of us. Mom should be fruitful. You should see your children grow up and become successful human beings, you know, citizens of the, of the United States or wherever you live where they can function and do the things they need to do to be successful. They may not be rich, but they can be successful. You don't have to be rich. You just got to be, you got to be uh, happy. And if you're walking with the Lord and you're trusting Him, you're going to be happy. You're going to have joy and peace and you're going to be hopeful and you're going you're to be able to, to be successful in life. Because success is, it's really all based on what you think in your mind about it. If it's all about things, then you're probably going to be disappointed. If it's about being happy and whole as a human being, then you can be successful. So a mother should have hope and it should be engaging. It should be encouraging and it should be eternal. Verse 4, Miriam, that was uh, Moses' sister, she stood afar off and she was watching what would be done to him. Now, I don't know. I don't know if uh, Jochebed sent her over there to do that or she just did it because she was engaged in this whole process. I mean, she saw her mom building that, that little ark and she saw her putting the, the tar and the asphalt around it and she saw it going in the river and she said, man, I... I'm hopeful. I know God's going to do something. I'm going to see what's happening here. She was engaged. And when you're a mom who has an engaging hope, your children will begin to be hopeful. They will look at life with hopeful eyes. They won't look at life and be saying, oh man, it's going to be a bummer. It's all going to be bad. Nothing's going to go right for me. They'll be looking at life saying, this is going to be okay. I'm going to make it through this. If you're hopeful, your children will grow up to be hopeful. It's a good quality. Your hope should be engaging. It should cause other people to want to respond to that. In Psalm 71, David says, For you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. And my praise shall continually be of you. Your hope should stay with you. 
the hope that you get from your mom and your dad when you're a child, that hope should be with you the rest of your life. You're learning. You know, a child learns almost everything that they learn about their, their character and their ability to learn. It all happens in the first 18 months to, to four years. I mean, if you, you know, if you just put a kid in a room with a TV or something, you're not really being a very great parent. I mean, those children need to be stimulated. They need to be, they need to be experiencing life right then. And you can instill hope. And you can instill joy. You can instill uh, enthusiasm for life by playing with them and doing those things when they're in their formative years. If you just uh, ignore them, you're leaving them up to, them, to their own uh, abilities. And they don't have any abilities. They don't have anybody to show them what life is supposed to look like. In our house, we have an expression that some moms are turtle moms. You know, they just hatch their eggs, they put them in the sand and go off and leave them and just leave them on their own. You know, some moms, not all moms are created equal, I guess I would say, because some just aren't as good as others. Some are, are really good. They invest and they sacrifice. They do everything. And I know out of this many people in this room, some of you probably had moms that might not have been the greatest. But God can heal that. God can, can heal those, those hurts that you have from missing out on, on what you would think of as a perfect mom, you know, the great moms. Well, any mom that invests themselves in you is a good mom. If they don't just leave you, they're probably a pretty good mom. But, you know, the ones that... Uh, the ones that leave them at an adoption agency or something like that. I mean, obviously, those are not good moms. They just, they bore you and they left you to your own. But we have a chance to instill a whole, a whole perspective on life in our children. When they're young, I mean, they, they just soak up everything. Everything that they see in us, they want to, re, they want to reproduce. They want to repeat it. Be careful what you say. Because if you say something bad, you know, they'll be saying those bad things. We, my youngest one, um, we had a neighbor that was, he was kind of a crotchety, grouchy old guy. He's like, he, he's, you know, he's like 80 years old. My kids were, you know, six and eight years old. And he'd be, hey, you boys want a cigarette? You know, I mean, he just, you know, doing all kinds of weird stuff to him. You know, and, and they'd be out there playing and the, <clears throat> excuse me, a ball would go over the fence and, put your ball doing over my yard? You know, he'd yell at them. And... Anyway, we, we, we would say sometimes, well, you know, the, the neighbors are doing this or the neighbors are doing that. You know, we weren't talking bad about our neighbors. We were just talking about neighbors. You know, it was, it was just an expression. And uh, one day, my little Ben, he got, he was so mad at his brother. And he said, why, you, you, you neighbor, you. <laughs> <coughs> I suppose he must have thought we were saying something bad about the neighbors because some of the neighbors were bad, and we used that expression. So we laugh about that. You know, you neighbor. You're nothing other but a neighbor. Be careful what you say around your children. And by the way, if you're saying good things, if you're saying praise the Lord, you know, God is good. Uh, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for this. You know, whatever. Yeah. If you say good things, they'll pick up on that as well. And they will, they will begin to think that way and speak that way. It'll be part of their lives. That's what we instill in our children. Mother's hope should be encouraging. It should, uh, it should cause a response 
from encouraging. So uh, David, or excuse me, not David, in uh, Jeremiah, Lamentations, uh, Lamentations 3, verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we were not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Your hope is encouraging. If you have hope, it encourages you. Sometimes you get discouraged. But you, if you just kind of refresh your hope a little bit, it will encourage you. And in verse 7 and 8 in uh, Exodus 2, think about this now. So they were going through this difficult time. They thought they might lose Moses, put him in the river. Pharaoh's daughter sees him, has compassion on him. And then hope kicks in even more. Man, I mean, it's, it's contagious. Miriam runs over there to her and says, hey, would you like for me to go fetch a, a Hebrew woman to, to nurse this child for you? I said, yeah, go. Who does she go fetch? Jochebed. She fetches his mother. I mean, what a great deal. Think about that. You, you're faced with, with death, and instead of that, you get life. That's a, it is a great story. So he got, to, he got to be raised in Pharaoh's household, and his mother cared for him. So he, he experienced all the good things of life, but he also got, he got all the good things of God's word and God's kingdom instilled in him because he was being raised by his mother. Your hope needs to be engaging and encouraging. And it also needs to be eternal. Now, I would say in uh, verse 10, the child grew, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, he became her son, and she drew him, uh, she said his name is Moses because she drew him out of the water. That's what, that's what Jacob's hope was all about, was that he was going to be saved. She put him in the water, and her hope was not, it was not in vain, because they drew him out of the water. They even named him. They named him something that said, I'm taking him out of the water. That's an eternal hope. That's a hope that was not disappointed, but it was a hope that was satisfied and fulfilled. Psalms 131, Lord, my heart is not haughty nor my eyes lofty. Neither do I concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Hope should be eternal. And if we're with the Lord, we will have hope. If you walk with the Lord now in this life, you're filled with hope. And if you don't have hope, you need to stir yourself up a little bit. You need to slap yourself around a little bit and say, wake up. You know, get back to God's word. Find out who we are, who we are in Christ, because there ought to be hope in you. You ought to be filled with hope. You ought to be excited about getting up every day and doing what you do. Maybe the things you face every day are daunting and difficult and challenging. But if you've got hope in the Lord, wake up. Be excited about it because today is the day that God's going to show himself strong on your behalf. Today is the day that God's going to do something miraculous. Today is the day he's going to satisfy that longing inside you to be filled. Every day is a new day. That's exciting. 
Worship team, y'all can come back. Man, I made it. There's always hope. So, I want to end up with this. Luke 4.18. So, before I read this passage, I, I just want to say this. Every, every one of us, mothers, children, and we're all one or the other. Uh, we all have experienced pain and sorrow in our lives. We've been hurt. We've had disappointments. We've had discouragements. We've had rejection. Uh, you know, some way worse than others. I'm not saying that we're all equal in that area. I'm just saying we've all experienced it on some level. Some, some have terrible, terrible uh, sorrow and problems they go through. And I, I'm, you know, I'm trying not to make eye contact right now because I, I know some people in this room, they've, they've been through terrible, painful experiences. And some are going through that right now. But I want to I read this passage to you now. So we're all, we're all in that situation. And, and what most of us do, when we have a wound or a pain in our heart, you know, we, we just kind of cover it up. You know, throw some dirt over it, kind of bury it, and think it'll be okay. And I don't want to cause you pain, but, but I, want to, I want to lead you to healing. And so this morning, I would just encourage you, those things in your life, maybe it was disappointment about the way your mom or dad treated you, or maybe the way your children responded to you when you were raising them. Maybe friends or family rejected you or did you dirty or wrong. Would you just please quit burying it? Quit trying to cover it up. And would you bring it out in the open and let God heal it? Let me read this to you. Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord, this is Jesus talking. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Thank you, Jesus. To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is when Jesus was starting his earthly ministry and he said, this is, this is who I am. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. If you've got a broken heart and you've had it for a long time and you've covered it up and you just got it buried under there, today can be the day that you can just bring it out and say, Lord, I'm going to be healed. I don't want to be that way anymore. If you've got unforgiveness because your, your mother or your father didn't treat you right, you better forgive. You just need to forgive. And the way you do it is you say, Lord, I forgive them, and I ask that you forgive them. And if they're dead and you're thinking, how can I do that? Do it anyway because just speak it into the, into the spiritual realm. Just speak it out loud. And ask God to forgive. And then you can be forgiven. And you can be healed. And you won't have to go around with a broken heart anymore. So, Lord, I confess that there are areas in my life where I've been wounded, I've been, I have been offended, I've been hurt, and I have brokenness. Lord, I don't want to be brokenhearted. I want to be healed. For those who have hurt me and rejected me, I forgive them and I ask that you forgive them. And I ask that you heal my broken heart, Lord. Restore a right spirit within me. Restore the joy of my salvation. Let me live to see 
the Lord God in the land of the living. I don't want to walk around in death and, and destruction and, and discouragement. I want to walk in life and liberty. I want the sight to come back to my blinded eyes. I want the, the healing to come to my broken heart. I want to be set free so I'm not in chains and in prison anymore. I want to be loosed. I proclaim that over this body in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship. <clears throat>
so if you something stirred up inside you and you want to pray you want some special prayer you want someone to join you there'll be someone meet you at the altar come and, and we'll pray with you there's no reason to go away without having your need met today God's here he wants to help you he wants to deliver you he wants to set you free he wants to heal your broken heart if you don't know Jesus you can come and find him today simple as asking him to forgive you and come and live in your heart and be your Lord and Savior give yourself to him Lord I pray now that you would bless every woman here every young woman every mother those who have born a child and those who are going to bear a child and those who are going to bear spiritual children and we all have an opportunity to do that Lord I pray your blessing on us let us have that love it's unconditional and unselfish and undaunted Lord and faith faith that is not easily discouraged faith that is eternal fixed in your word and on Jesus and a hope Lord that would be contagious it'd be engaging and encouraging and eternal Lord I thank you that you are stirring our hearts and changing us today through your word by the power of your spirit in Jesus name Amen
Amen. Hallelujah. God is still on the throne. Hallelujah. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his perfect peace. Yes. Thank you, Mom. Thank you. And all you other women, thank you for all you do. We love you and appreciate you. Have a great day. This is your day. Men, make sure they enjoy it. Amen? Amen.